welcome to the MWC podcast. Thank you for listening. If uh, you don't know me, I'm Pastor Art. I am in charge of uh, student ministry at Wichita State and our community group structures here at Maranatha. If you're not plugged into our community groups, I invite you to get plugged in, get, get intimate with life. Make, make church more than just a Sunday morning. Make it a part of something that is your, 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 your life, something, a bedrock, a foundation, and community groups are where we hope to do that. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, there are cards on the Connect cards. There's a space for you to market, market, and we'll get you plugged in. Um, anybody a winner here? Winners? Anybody want to be a winner? Anybody want to be a loser? It's, uh, no, right? Like, we like to win. Winning is awesome. And uh, I have not won as much as I would like, but my sister, uh, when we were growing up, she won everything. If there was a contest and she entered it, magic. She, she, she'd win. She, she'd get it. And I was so jealous. So jealous, all the way through middle school and high school, and, and I, I, I just, I wanted to be a winner too. It didn't seem fair. Why would one person win so many contests when there are, you know, so many people that could win? And uh, it, it, I struggled, except for this one time, this one time on Fox Channel 24, they had like uh, tool time reruns, right, or t- home improvement reruns, and, and there was a contest. And, and if you like do the thing and you pay attention and you call in the number and then and you can be the lucky winner. And one time I won. They said, "Come by the station and pick up your prize." And there was this giant X or double XL T-shirt, and it was way too big for me. And 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 a pizza. <laughs> I was like, "Woo! I, I want I want a pizza and a T-shirt that I couldn't wear that my mom ended up uh, wearing." Uh, but, uh, so we all won. We're all winners. It was a great time. But uh, Winning is kind of a thing. It, it, it's becoming a catchphrase or a buzzword. Someone is winning at some activity. Like, like somebody's winning at Facebook, like Pastor Steve's wife, Katie. Her Facebook's amazing. It, it, whenever it hits my feed, I'm like, that's, that's awesome. I smile. I chuckle. I'm encouraged. That's winning at Facebook. Because unfortunately, most of Facebook is not not that right so so when you get that breath of fresh air you're like that's that's winning at facebook um it's in ad campaigns uh like the idea of being a winner or winning flow in the progressive commercials there was like a a, 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 a after school special moment and the guy like got ice cream afterwards and he's like can i have sprinkles and she's like sprinkles are for winners and and, and he was winner. And i was like ah. Oh. It's brutal. But my favorite right now is a tax commercial. Have you seen the H&R Block ad campaign? It's got an actor in it that's in every one. At the end of it, there's a catchphrase that says, don't get your taxes done. Get your taxes won. And I'm like, yes! I want to do my, I, I want to do my taxes with them because I want my taxes won. I want to win at taxes. Taxes are lame. And, and they're like, yeah. But, but I want to win. And, and so I, I'm probably going to use H&R Block to work on my taxes because I want to get my taxes won. Uh, this carries beyond it to uh, the idea of life. You know anybody that's winning at life? It's, stuff goes well for them. Stuff's going right. And, and that's where we all want to be. We want to be winning at life. We want our life to matter. We want to do things the best way we possibly can. And we want to come out on top. We want to have mattered or counted. And, and uh, there's an easy way to do this. Pay attention to the best life there is and do what you can to emulate it. 
And we know that that's been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And 2,000 years ago, there were these 12 guys that were his disciples that got to follow around the winner of life. And they got to pick his brain, ask him questions. And if we were wise, we would pay attention to those moments. For instance, we're in this series on prayer. And in introducing this sort of a passage, the disciples asked a question or asked of Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he gave them this, this Lord's Prayer model of what it looks like to pray. And, and like Pastor Steve has, has, has led us in, the idea of the Lord's Prayer is not a, a magical formula or phrase that makes a perfect prayer, but rather it leads us and guides us into what our perfect prayers should look like. It shows us what the heart is that God is longing for, the sorts of things that God would have us to ask of him and have us to talk to him about. So we hear about the beginning of it from things like, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and we know who we're talking to. This is the God of the universe. This is the one who made everything. This is the one who has all glory, all honor, all power, all praise, and that's who we're talking to. We start there because if we forget who we're talking to, it can mess up our prayers. If we think it's like a, a, a blessing dispenser, then we're gonna go to God always asking for stuff. And that's not what God is, is wanting from us in our prayer life. He's wanting our prayers to be something that helps us to be like him. So then we say, our kingdom come and, our will be, and, and your kingdom come, your will be done. We're inviting God to come into our lives and to come into our world in and through us so that where we are, the kingdom of heaven is entering. And earth gets to look a little more the way God intended it to be the whole time. Today we're gonna talk about forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. But before we dig into that, there's another moment where Jesus' disciples asked him a question. And I think it relates really well to what we're talking about today, and it's found in Matthew 18. Now remember, Jesus is the winning life. When we ask him how to live life, how do we do something in our lives, we should pay attention to his answer. Forgiveness is a challenging part of our world. People hurt us. People offend us. People do things that upset us. People, people aren't always nice. Whether it's people that you love and people that you care about, people that you don't know, people that you know should know better. Like Christians should always be loving all the time, but sometimes they say and do something that's not and it hurts. And it's hard to forgive. But Peter, Peter was ready to impress Jesus with how awesome he was. In Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter comes to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who has sinned against me? Seven times? Seven times. That's, that sounds really good, Peter. You're a really good dude that you would do it twice or three, but seven times. That's great. I'm really, I'm really proud. Jesus doesn't say that. No, not seven times, Jesus replied but 70 times seven. You can see Peter's jaw drop. Like, If someone's that mean, if someone is that offensive to me, if someone hurts me that much, that's ridiculous. That can't be right. That can't be true. That can't be what you mean, Jesus. And so in response to the jaw drop, Jesus explains a little bit. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven 
can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, as as you or I would, please be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Please be patient with me. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. What a good guy. But when the man left, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat, and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, please be patient with me, and I will pay it. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the debt and called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. It's just some story. But the end is frightening. That's what my Father in heaven will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's not all flowers, rainbows, and unicorns. God, we like those parts, but we're glad that you give us challenges, God. We're glad that you want to move us from where we are into something better, into something that you made us to be, into something more perfect. So God, today as we, as we dig into this stuff, we pray that you would help us to see you to see what you want us to see, that that you would see our hearts as you see them. And then God, if there's anything that we can do today to become more like you want us to be, Holy Spirit, show us, and Lord, empower us to become better. We ask that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is pretty heavy. (laughs) It's it's, it's pretty heavy, because pretty much all of us have moments where someone says or does something that hurts. And our attitude is, I hope they get something bad to fall on them today. It certainly isn't, I wish them well. I'm going to treat them the same way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mean to them. I'm going to withhold something good from them. I'm not going to be nice. I'm, I'm... It's our nature. It's in us, it's called the flesh. You see that in the scriptures. Our, our sin nature is inclined to want to repay evil for evil. And Jesus specifically says elsewhere, that's not what God's about. And so today, we're looking at the perfect prayer. And this forgiveness thing is in it. And it's easy to see the first part where, where Jesus says, Forgive us our sins. 
But the second part's an oddity, because it's a statement. As we forgive those who have sinned against us. That's an odd prayer. But it's hugely impactful. So the beginning of it, and, and, and we'll be here briefly, because I think the Lord has led me down the second half of this more, but we need to be constantly asking God for forgiveness. Until the day you and I are perfect, we are susceptible to mistakes, to doing things that hurt God's heart, that hurt our brothers and sisters around us, that stop his kingdom from going forward. David said it well in, in the Psalms, and he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. He wanted to go before God and say, God, make sure I'm clean. And Jesus implores us when he's teaching us how to pray. This is a part of how you should be praying. Not just one time, but your everyday prayers. Constantly asking God, is there something wrong in me that you need to get out? Is there something in me that makes me unworthy of your presence? Because I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy who's, who's winning at life, who's, who's doing things the Jesus way. So Lord, forgive me anything that I need to be forgiven and, and help me to do right by you and to move forward and to grow. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus came to teach, to do, to say, so we would all know that, yeah, we're all screw-ups. Nobody's perfect. But Jesus paid for our blemishes with his own death. And we can go to the Father and ask forgiveness. That, that when, G, when God looks on us, he sees the perfection of the Son. Because we have invited Jesus into us. That's, that's getting saved. That's becoming a Christian. That's what it means to take Jesus onto you. So that the you that is something less than honorable before God is no longer seen. But Jesus, the perfect spotless Lamb of God. So that's the foundation, and that's where we start. Father, forgive us. But secondarily, we see this as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And this is clearly a heavy thing. The story that Jesus tells later on in the Gospel of Matthew makes it clear that Jesus and God have a very strong opinion on people who don't forgive others. So the challenge for us today is to be willing to examine where we're at with our forgiveness. Where we're at with the people that have harmed us, that have offended us, that have hurt us. See, if we don't, if we don't deal with this stuff, it'll hurt us more than the initial hurt they ever did. It'll destroy us. It'll destroy lives around us. We're gonna look at three things today that you're gonna find completely ruined and destroyed if you let unforgiveness remain in your heart. The first one is that it ruins our access to God. It ruins our access to God. The parable, if you don't forgive, God's not gonna forgive you. But that's hard because God is, is good. 
God is love. God is warm gooeys and, and makes us feel good and, and does good and nice things for us. And he, he is our, our source of blessing and provision and, and all these, these nice things. True. But he's not only that. And to think he's only that is to have an inaccurate picture of who God is. Because he is also holy. And in him being good, there's a justice. And without it, he is no longer God. In so being, he can't allow the presence of ugliness. They, they don't, they're incompatible. They don't go together. They're, they're like opposites of a magnet. When one comes close to the other, the other is pushed away. We can't have that and approach God. Why? Why can't God just, just look past that and, 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 and forgive our, our, our struggle and, and be a, a warm, gooey God and only do good and only be nice and not hold that sort of thing against us? Why can't he just do that? You know what God's primary hope for us is? That we become like him. That we have his heart. That we do the things that, that he would do if he were us in our situation. That we bring the kingdom of heaven wherever we are. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who forgave the debt of a servant who owed him a lot. The kingdom of heaven is like you forgiving the person who owes you a lot. Treating them like the person that, that God wants them to be rather than the person that, that has hurt you. Because that's what God is, that's what God does, and that's what he wants you to do and to be. And when you hold on to unforgiveness and when you treat that person like the turd that they acted like, you are not being God. You are not being like him. In fact, you are being the opposite. Which is the last thing that he wants and hopes for you. And so he's screaming with a loudspeaker, don't do that. Get that out of your heart. Get that out of your mind because it, it is not me. It is not the best for you. It is not the best for your family. It is not the best for that person. All it does is causes more trouble, more hurt, and more pain. Break the cycle. Get out of that. Be like me. Because I'm how to win at this game called life. If you're uncertain how important this is to God, it's not just these couple of passages where God talks like this. If you go a little bit further back in Matthew chapter five, we see more of the Sermon on the Mount. And this idea of entering the presence of God with hurt in your heart is crystallized really clearly. It says in verse 23, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, do what? Saying, eh, I'm here to worship Jesus. No. Leave it there. Go. 
get that hurt right. Get that hurt right right now. When your heart is like mine, then I want you to come to me and worship me. But if your heart is the opposite of mine with that garbage in it, I don't want your worship. That's wild, right? Like he should always want our worship. He should always want us to bring our warm gooeys to meet up with his warm gooeys so we can have a warm gooey time together. It's not what God wants. And so when we chase after that, when we chase after that aspect of God and leave the rest of it, we're not in God's will. Even before you come to the presence of God, he wants your heart to be like his. And if it's not, it's your job, it's your obligation, it's your duty to do everything that you can to get the garbage out of your heart and give some forgiveness. A couple of verses before this, in verse 21, Jesus is teaching on this. It's so powerful. He says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. And then it goes on to, so if, if you're giving a gift at the altar and you remember, you remember you feel that way. If you remember that you're angry with someone, if you remember that somebody has done something against you, I don't want that heart in my presence. I don't want that kind of heart worshiping me. But they really hurt me. I don't even think I can talk to them. I can't even be around them. They disgust me with what they did because what they did was really bad. They don't deserve forgiveness. Okay. I feel for you. People do nasty things. But God didn't put a clause here. He didn't say, take care of it unless it was a really bad thing they did. Take care of it unless your hurt is just too big for you to even imagine. There's no excuse. We must forgive. Now, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean acting like it didn't happen. I'm not saying that. But it means get the hurt, the anger, the junk, get get it out. You probably should treat someone differently who is an, an offender to you. You would be wise to change your course of behavior if there is someone like that in your life. True. But holding on to anger about it only hurts you. Now I know, we all think we're so awesome that if we withhold our presence from a mean person, 
it hurts their life because they're missing out on our awesomeness. I promise you, they don't see it that way. Because if they thought you so awesome, odds are they wouldn't have hurt you like that. So being mean back, treating them with unkindness, treating them with what they deserve isn't the way to go. Because the biggest newsflash of it is if God treated us with what we deserved, we would have an eternity in hell to look forward to. Be as your Father in heaven. Bring his kingdom into you and through you into the world. Secondly, unforgiveness ruins our relationships. This would seem a little on the obvious side. If, if you won't forgive somebody, it's hard to be around them. And, and maybe you do this consciously, and maybe you don't. Maybe there's just people that you avoid. They said or did something, so you just avoid them. It's easier to not mess with them and to not risk being hurt again, so you just you avoid it. You never confront it, you never deal with it, and, and, and that person is a, mm-hmm, and, and I'm not going to be around them. Right? They're... I hope there's not people in your world like that, but there probably are. It's easy to do. You can have a boss, you can have a coworker, you can have uh, people that, that you, you run into frequently in your neighborhood, you can have a spouse. It says or does something, so you no longer want to talk about that topic anymore because you know it's gonna zing. Maybe it's a child said or did something in their life that that goes against who you are and what you wanted for them, and it hurts. And you carry the hurt. It's hard to deal with it, and it's hard to forgive. It goes against the way that we're feeling. We feel justified in our anger and our frustration. And I'm not saying you're not justified to feel that way. In fact, God says, be angry. But in your anger, don't sin. Don't act ungodly. Don't do things that he wouldn't do. And that's where we run into trouble when we have emotions like that. It leads us to act out of frustration and to act unloving, unkind, ungodlike. As those things build, if you are an avoider, if you are a stuffer, it's easier to not mess with it. Trouble's brewing. It's kind of like a volcano. You might not see the lava that's it's in the ground, but it's bubbling. And as things shift, tectonic plates move and, and things happen, pressure increases, Eventually it blows. When we have unforgiveness, when we have hurts, when we have anger, it compounds. And the one person we can handle, two offenses we can deal with, but as person after person offends us, all of a sudden the pressure is too much. 
And the frightening thing is the people that are closest to you, that you see the most frequently, are most likely to feel the burn because you're going to most likely explode around them. And something crazy will happen, like they'll put the toilet paper on the roll backwards. Boom! It was the toilet paper roll. I'm sorry. My wife has never done this. Hypothetical example. Just pulling an issue out. I've come to do the toilet paper her way. Without an explosion. But do you see what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at? As, as that unforgiveness festers and stews and, and gets inside of you, all of a sudden, something happens and bam! You're hurting people. You're messing up your relationships. The people that God has you in their lives. This happened uh, in... in uh, when I was younger, had a group of friends and had a really good friend that was um, somebody did did everything with all the time and and uh, as college age and uh, his tendency was to stuff and one night we had like a meeting and and something was said, and it, it really got him grumpy and then after the meeting, we were playing some games, and something was happening in the game. <laughs> Tables turned, storming, loud, yelling, screaming, out the door, and out of our lives. It's one of my best three friends. I didn't see it coming. And it took a long time to to even not feel awkward passing by on a sidewalk. And that's not what God had for any of us in that, that circle. It, it, it ruined things. It ruined what God was up to in his life. It ruined how he could impact our lives and help us to grow because he had and he was. We've got to get this out. We can't just stuff it. We've got to deal with it. The author of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 12. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for these who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Because that's what happens. The scripture's true here got to be vigilant against this stuff. And you may think it's no big deal or it's human nature or they deserve it or you can excuse it any way you want. We cannot be people who hold on to grudges. We cannot be people who hold on to anger and offense. Because if we do, it ruins our access to God and it ruins our relationships. And lastly, it ruins our witness. It ruins our witness. You know we have like 
one job in the world, one, one great thing we're supposed to do. Love God, love others. Jesus puts it as an action word in the Great Commission that we are to go into the world making disciples of all the nations, teaching them to do and to obey everything that Jesus taught us. If you're carrying unforgiveness, you're going to have a terribly difficult time doing that. Because you're going to be a grump. And grumps, it seems, are ineffective at bringing somebody into the light and love of Jesus. You've seen angry Christians, people who are supposedly someone who loves Jesus, but whose life manifests frustration and a lack of peace and a chaos that is clearly not attractive. If that's what it means to be a Christian, then I do not want it. You can take it on down the sidewalk to somebody else. I will continue on this path of not needing that. I wanted to illustrate it a little bit uh, with what happened in Texas, uh, in Houston for our conference. Uh, Some of you guys know that Julia um, fell and she hit her head in the hotel. And it was the middle of the night and uh, it was dark in the room and I didn't even know that she was bleeding at first and then Cindy said look and, and I looked and blood everywhere and it was like a freak out moment and, and uh, didn't know what to do and, and it was 11 o'clock and the kids needed to go to bed and our van wasn't even like where we could get it to even go to the hospital in a city I don't know and what hospital out yet. And, and so just freaking out and getting it settled down and, and then like she'd had a concussion on top of it and she'd had a concussion the month before so two concussions in a four-year-old in a month is, is like scary stuff and so I'm, I'm freaked out and I'm not sure what to do and how to do it and where to go and, and, and we just call 911 and the ambulance comes and I get to ride in the ambulance with Julia to the hospital. It's great. And we finally get things worked out and, and uh, they're taking care of her and, and they say it'll just be a little while and my baby's hurt and I'm tired and a little while becomes like four hours and I'm like, just stitch her up and we'll, we'll, we'll be on our way. But at one point they came in and then the doctors were... They were swell, but I was really grumpy with them because they'd said it was going to be a little while, and, I was, and it wasn't a little while, and, and, and uh, they came in to, to do the job, and, and they asked, so it looks like she's had her sleepy medicine because she's fallen asleep, and I was like, nobody's given her anything. Like, oh, well, we can't do it yet then. We have to, and I, mm, yeah, why? I said some mean things. And I treated them very poorly. And they're good, they're doing their job and they had like a bigger emergency come and then they didn't deserve that. But what's worse is they knew that I was a Christian because I was in town for a Christian conference. So, oh, more than, they knew I was a pastor. And I kind of lost my cool. 
and I can spend all night justifying why it was okay for me to lose my cool, but the result's the same. That doctor and that resident were further from Jesus. Because my heart was not in a place of grace and kindness and forgiveness. My heart was in a place of me and what I want. And, and, and when you're not doing what I want you to do, I'm grumpy. Which reminds me of children and how they behave. And I'm no longer supposed to be a child in the Lord. I'm supposed to be grown up and supposed to do good. And that's you and that's me. We're encountering people every day that need Jesus' love. Some have seen it, many haven't. And when you carry around an anger and you display that kind of grumpiness and, and, and you're not willing to show grace and to give kindness, willing to forgive someone when they say or do something that you didn't care for, you're pushing them away from God. because you are being the very opposite of what God is like. And so our prayer is, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Because it's who God is and it's who God wants us to be. So if the band wants to come up, we'll, we'll, we'll take this to the end. And there's some heavy stuff in this. And the scary thing is it gets easy for us to live in a place of unforgiveness, in an attitude that is not quick to forgive, but rather is quick to become angry. and that is quick to let our frustrations in turn affect our behavior in a way that is not God or Christ-like. So again, I don't want you to hear me say that what happens to you doesn't matter and, and you, shouldn't, um, you shouldn't be hurt or you shouldn't be angry or you shouldn't have pain because I... I know terrible stuff happens in, in, in lives. And I'm not callous to that. I'm not saying, uh, oh, just get over it and blow sunshine up your woohoo. Um, but I am saying that we've got to get the hurt out. We've got to be set free from that bondage of, of, of letting anger take, take effect in us and, 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 and affect every relationship we have from God to us to our, our spouses and families and co-workers. So here's how we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to begin with a prayer. And we're going to spend just a, a, a short moment. And what I'd like us to do is to be vulnerable before our loving and holy God and say, is any of that me? God, do I need your forgiveness? 
Do I need to seek you as my savior because I never have before? God wants to find you. God wants to meet you. God wants you to be his and and for him to be yours. He wants you to know his love every day, the the hope of eternity that, that, that drives us and keeps us going. You might need that this morning. That's awesome. He's here to meet you. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe you consider yourself a Christian. You consider yourself saved. But you know there's some junk in your life. Stuff that God doesn't want you to have. Stuff that you need to bring before Him and ask for forgiveness. Father, forgive me my sins. Get the junk out. I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want to act that way anymore. I want to be your child and I want to look like you. And I can't with this junk that's weighing me down. There is none of that junk that is too big for God. And he wants to set you free today. But you've got to be brave enough to come and say, God, I lay myself before you. Get it out of me, I pray. Forgive me for those mistakes that I made. And the third is is those of us that that have unforgiveness in our hearts. There are people that not only do we not love them, but we hate. We hate what they did. We hate what they said. We hate who they are. God is saying, let go. I'll help you. I'll help you. Come to me and, and you can let go of that. And it can stop burdening you from now and until forever. You can be free.